Of course, so, one a.m. Yes, yeah, one a.m. in Pakistan. But do you know what? Oh my goodness! Why didn't you tell me that? I forgot completely. Forgot about times. It, it's cool. My sleep schedule is um. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. It's it's very uh. You'll judge me if I tell you. So let's just keep it at that. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Artless Dialogue. I'm your host Saud Wakar, joined as always by Ash. Hi Ash, how you doing? Hi Saud, how's it going? Not bad, not bad. I'm I'm um a lot more further away from you than I usually am, even though we're yes. all this remote. So, so yeah, the, t- tell us where you are. Yeah, so I'm I'm in Pakistan. Uh, gone back to Pakistan after two and a half years. So it's it's interesting. It's really hot here. And uh, I'm getting new episode ideas, stuff to talk about here. So, so we we'll, so we'll do some in, uh, interesting episodes uh, in the future, hopefully, regarding that. Yes. How about you? How's your week been going, and how's everything on your end? Yeah, it's it's good. So it's a truly global episode. Um, it's been it's been fun. It's the Jubilee week here in 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 the UK. So there's lots of excitement building. Oh yes. Um, for Thursday, Friday. Um, and I was away in sunny Scarborough. Or not so sunny Scarborough this weekend with with family. Um, it was right. a it was a balmy ten degrees in. So summer hasn't Scarborough. hit yet. <laughs> no, not yet. Someone someone hasn't told the UK it's summer. Uh, yeah. I'm sure it'll hit eventually. Um, so and today I, we're talking about. Oops, sorry. Go on. Yeah. Just, I was I was just today we're talking about. <laughs> See, this is the time delay now. We we we've got a time delay. So, um, but yeah, today we're talking about um, a subject. Hopefully, I know something about, um, which is risk management, and and the evolution of risk management. Yeah, because uh, it's certainly kind of um, gone through an evolution. And it was interesting, so I know when we were kind of talking about, you know, where do we draw the lines on mm. this topic? Because it's such a broad topic. But actually, I think the interesting part of this is kind of you could take this back you know, thousands of years or hundreds of thousands of years and risk management kind of existed yeah. and, and, and it's kind of, you know, evolved and evolved and, um, and certainly I kind of see it evolving quicker, hmm. uh, more recently, but, um, yeah, I mean, where, 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 where should we start with, with this one? Um, at I, the guess, beginning or? I guess it's good to assume that people don't know how to define risk. What do you say? Yes. Good one. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'll, take, I'll take a crack. I'll take a crack at it, and yeah. you can, you can, you know, you can add to it or correct me. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll audit you, Saud. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Let's switch roles. So, um, okay. So, what is risk? Uh, so, my understanding is that risk is the probability that, um, oh, yeah, risk is the pro- probability that unforeseen actions or events will occur that will change your forecast or the way your business operates. So how far off am yes. I? Ash? And I think, I think you, um, you find, I think the, 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 the bit probably would be the probability um, Okay. because r- risk is the event. And then how you kind of measure it would be in probability um, as in likelihood and mm. impact. So okay. you would risk is you're quite right. Risk is this unforeseen event, the thing that mm. could go wrong, the bad thing that could happen mm. is is the risk. Yes. And then you kind of go, right, well, what's the likelihood of that? So, you know, it's a classic one when whenever you get on an airplane, if people are nervous flyers, uh, probably close your ears. But um, for, for those that aren't, you know, you hear the stats all the time, people who get nervous flying, and then you'll hear the stat and you'll go, well, you know, you're more likely to get hit by a meteorite than you know, um, have a fatal um, air, air accident. And so 
that goes back to you know the the impact. So if there is a an accident, the impacts are horrific and horrendous. But yeah. the likelihood of that unforeseen event happening are very very slim. Hmm. Um, so you know the the of the hundreds of thousands of flight hours. You know, the event happens, you know, once every hundreds of thousands, if not millions of hours of flying. So, so the event is the, the thing, the risk, hmm. and then the uh, likelihood is how often it could happen. And then the impact is when it does happen, how serious would it be when it happens? Perfect. And just building on that risk can also have a pos- positive outcomes, right? It can have negative outcomes and positive outcomes. Am I right? Give us an example of a positive outcome for risk. Uh, for example, interest rate fluctuations. Yeah. Oh, sorry, no, no, sorry. Foreign exchange fluctuations. Yeah. So if if you if if you are purchasing something and the interest rate moves in your favor, then you have to pay less for the same product. On the other end, if it moves if it moves negatively, you have to pay more for the product. So so that that change could be favorable and uh, unfavorable, and that could be a risk yeah. because it. Uh, yeah. My understanding is because it changes your uh forecast it changes how you've planned to do business and that can yeah. be expensive in its own terms and it's in its own right yeah and, and i think you know the, the way to look at that and um and, and risk you know in, in my mind and, I'm, and maybe because I, uh, I do risk i always see it as something bad happening um but that's maybe just my mindset um, but but you're quite right i mean when 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 you're managing risk in whatever business you're operating in, hmm. then what you're doing is you're, you're, you know, mitigating. So you're doing something to either prevent the thing happening um, or as the thing happens, you detect it. So you try to find as quickly as possible, the risk has materialized or, or you kind of expose the risk materializing and then you're reducing the impact of the risk. Impact, yes. now, all that takes effort and money. And to your point, you know, so so take the um, take an example of, um, you know, that when when COVID hit, and mm. and people were kind of saying, right, well, how do you manage the risk? Well, you you manage a risk by doing lots and lots of um, lateral flow tests, and so what you're trying to do is, you know, you're pre- this preventative. So what you're trying to do is say, right, well, if you test positive, stay at home. Right. And if you stay at home, you're less likely to infect somebody else. So the the event, the risk materializing is reduced because there's fewer people out there. Hmm. Um, you know, to a degree, the, the lateral flow test is kind of also detective because if you've if you're feeling like you've got symptoms, you go and take the lateral flow test and you go, oops, I've tested positive. So yeah. now I'm going to mitigate the risk because to a degree, the risk has kind of materialized there hmm. because you might have now had contact with somebody else. Yeah. And then, you know, the test and trace thing, you know, came out to kind of, again, mitigate that impact, which is how many people have you spoken to? Can we quickly speak to those people and mitigate that risk further and say, actually, you know, Sal, you, you went for a coffee with Ash, right? You stay home too, or do a lateral flow test. Hmm. And so you mitigate the risk. Um, and, and what you can do is sometimes you can invest too much hmm. to mitigate the risk. And then the risk doesn't materialize to the scale you think it does. Yes. So in some cases, and you know, like you said, when it comes to financial type risks, well, you get your money back mm. because you know you may say, um, you know, and a lot of kind of financial institutions, for example, put a lot of money aside because the, the assumption was COVID would have a material impact. Yeah. Because GDP, et cetera, et cetera. Now the impact wasn't as big as we thought, mm. and actually the economy bounced back quicker than we thought. 
So actually from a financial perspective, you, you can release that capital then that you've held. Hmm. So kind of positive outcome, so to speak. But the flip side is, you know, you, you had this with, um, you know, the government and, you know, test um, all the testing stuff and masks. And suddenly now, you know, masks are no longer required unless you go into a hospital or, no, or a medical center in the UK, certainly. And so suddenly you've got all this stock of stuff hmm. and you've, you've spent all this time, effort and money doing something that's no longer valuable. So risk management, it's always a kind of a, a bit of a balancing act, which says, you know, and the classic is a, a very risky kind of um, language is appetite. What's hmm. your appetite for that risk? Yes. Um, and, and we all make those appetite choices daily, whether we realize it or not, you know, every time you get on a plane, every time you get in a car, um, every time when COVID was around, you left the house and you went shopping, you know, you've made an appetite choice. You yeah. wanted to do something and you felt that that thing that you wanted to do outweighed the risk of you catching COVID or, or anything else. Yeah. And I believe the appetite thing you mentioned, that's more, that's, we hear that a lot more when it comes to investments. For example, yes. uh, a stock market or no, for example, gold is considered a more stable investment to invest in. So people traditionally with lower risk appetites would invest in gold and in turn, they get a lower rate of return. In the, yeah. On the other hand, people who are willing to accept more risk or with higher risk appetites may invest in cryptocurrency and the chance yeah. for it and the chance and the return you receive is higher. And that's where yeah. the probability uh, you mentioned comes in. So the, but yeah. at the same time, the risk of you getting a loss is higher as well. So I guess yeah. risk appetite uh, comes with uh, the amount of return you can get and the likelihood that you'll get a return or get a loss. So I guess risk management plays a very important role in what choices you're going to make and how can you react to the outcomes that uh, arise from those choices. Yeah. And, and, just, and I think, yeah, sorry, go ahead. And just like you mentioned, when it comes to uh, uh, financial institutions and companies saving more cash, saving more money in fear that COVID would harm their business a lot more and the government ordering a lot more masks and people buying up masks, stockpiling up on masks. So I believe it comes to good risk management. You really have to know the industry and actually know what specificities you are dealing with because a quarantine at, uh, sorry, uh, a pandemic at this level, uh, it's been unprecedented in recent times where economies have shut down, people have been yeah. locked up in their homes or isolated, and there wasn't expertise available to uh, of of such of an event of such magnitude. So the risk management was not as accurate or not as uh, at, at the best level that it could have been. So yeah. I believe industry yeah. expertise or knowledge really plays a big part in good risk management. Yeah, no, I wouldn't disagree. And I think, you know, you know, you know, we talk about kind of you know, evolution risk management. So risk management's kind of always been here. And 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 you know, if you think about the most commonplace risk management has occurred in the past is, you know, is is war and territory. And so every castle you see that's being built everywhere, every large wall you see is risk management. You know, that yeah. that is essentially risk management because that's people protecting properties, people protecting their cities, their borders, etc. I mean, that is risk management in a very basic level. And 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 when we kind of talk about risk management um, these days, especially kind of in uh, most industries, it's kind of complexity and layering has probably only kind of started coming about in the last hundred years and it's got even more complex in the last sort of 20 years and yes. and it's changed again and again 
And part of that is because risk management is, is tends to be a kind of um, follows innovation. Um, so previously it was kind of quite kind of crude and, and, and very kind of simplistic when it came to, you know, things like finances. Cause you know, if you think about banking, banking's only been around for, you know, four or 500 years. Um, and prior to that, it was very simplistic trading. Mm. And, and, and so, you know, it wasn't called that, but in those days it was kind of commodities and yes. it was, you know, so if, if you, if you were trading in fur, then every time you went on a merchant ship across the Atlantic, well, you took risk hmm. and, and, you know, you'd have lots of, you know, Victorian families and et cetera, who would lose large amounts of money because they, they took a gamble and they said, right, I'm going to invest in this merchant ship because it's going to go all the way across the States and it's going to bring back, you know, spices or herbs or whatever. And, and so to your point about appetite, you know, it's always usually risk versus return. Hmm. And, and it's basic, you know, concept is you take a risk because you want a greater return. Yes. Now, the level of that risk you take is, you know, as you as you described it, it's your appetite, and 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 so you know, there's there's loads of kind of like you know, you, you see if you ever watch Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, there's lots in that you know where you know that's kind of how um, one of the characters ends up um, completely poor because their father mm. took a big gamble and yeah. decided to stick all their money in the merchant ship and and the merchant ship sank and or the pirates, you know, overtook it and off there goes, there goes the risk, the risk has materialized, the event has happened and, and you've lost all because you've kind of gambled it, so to speak on, on, on this one big um, risk. Um, so, yeah, so it's kind of always been there. It's just, it's just, I think evolved a lot quicker in the last sort of um, 50, 60, 70 years uh, as as intelligence and data has come in. Yes. And I think that's been the big thing, you know, data and statistics and analytics and and suddenly you can make real choices. And, you know, uh, again, you know, when COVID happens and any, you know, disaster or catastrophe, you know, you watch Sky News hmm. and there's always someone stood in front of a, a chart and there's always yeah. someone stood a line graph and there's a million and one stats about you know what this means and what that means and and what they're doing is they're analyzing risk basically mm. you know they might not call it that but that's what you're watching yeah you know uh, you know when when unfortunately all the, the deaths were happening and all the cases you know they'd talk about you know the r number and and the r number was basically a measure of risk yeah and you know as the r number went up your risk went up you know, both as a country, as as the world, as an individual, as the R number went down, the risk went lower, and so you know, again, your your understanding of risk suddenly becomes more acute the more data you have. Yes, um, and it's a classic one. You know, whether you take a car to work or a bike, mm-hmm. you've just made a different risk appetite. Yeah, you know, now most cases people aren't necessarily conscious of that. And, and, and therefore it may well be that they are driving to work and don't realize the stats of, you know, what's, what's the likelihood of you having an accident versus um, you cycling to work and, and what that means. Yes. Um, so there's always kind of risk in everything we do. Um, it's just our ability to understand the risk has kind of evolved where more data is available. And, and right now, you know, you could, you know, quite easily Google the stats and that's, you know, makes you far more informed, but also, you know, creates a whole load of anxiety when you kind of go, I, I don't really want to leave the house now because hmm. uh, there's a risk of anything could happen. And yeah. that's back to that point about likelihood. It's such an important lens. 
because otherwise, you, you know, the risk is you don't do anything because there's always a risk something bad's going to happen. So, so you said a couple of interesting points I want to hit on. So the first thing you mentioned regarding the evolution of risk from commodities and pirate ships to uh, technology, financial risk to technology and data. So I actually did something uh, similar uh, that there was uh, the evolution of risk took four steps. The first mm-hmm. step was when hunter gatherers formed communities that created a social or communal risk that you wouldn't mm-hmm. have enough food or you would get into fights or wars. Then yeah. when people started settling down and communities became more stable an agricultural risk formed because you're not yeah. chasing animals. Now you're depending on agriculture and breeding and rearing animals. So, uh, climate, ch- uh, weather changes, um, a good harvest, a bad harvest could be the risk of you feeding your families for that year or that period of time. And then eventually that risk changed from agriculture to industry when manufacturing mm-hmm. happened. So that would be uh, the supply of labor, uh, commodities and trading. And now it's shift to something that is very exciting. I believe in the last 20 years, uh, you, you'd know more, but 20 years or so yeah. where technology steps in and that just blew open the doors of risk. So, yeah. And the amount, quality, quantity of risks that organizations had to look at increased by a, a large margin. Yeah. So that, that's something I want to hear your view on, on how this last uh, step from industry to technology has actually affected um, risk management's role itself. Uh, and yeah. the second thing you mentioned was uh, you, you decide whether you want to take a car or a bike. Now, the, the, the fun thing about that is that there's not one kind of risk in that decision. There could be no. several types of risks in that condition. For example, you mentioned safety. Uh, you're more safer in a car. But then on the other side, there's a chance that uh, you could get into a little accident and you'd need more maintenance that, uh, that would bring in yeah. insurance risk, financial risk. And then there's yes. also the risk that you could you you could arrive later on a bicycle, but then you could get yeah. stuck in a traffic jam and arrive later in a car. So, so yeah. one decision could add several risks and each type of risk could have several outcomes. So, yeah. and, the, and we're just talking about whether you want to go uh, take a bike or a car to wherever yeah. you're going. So I, I can't imagine yeah. the scope and level of risks that you deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. So I, I'd love you know, to hear what I, you think about those two things. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting point. And, and, um, and this is why I probably don't get invited to parties anymore, uh, so not just for <laughs> COVID, but, um, but, you know, risk is quite a, it's a really fun, interesting subject, um, mm. especially kind of, you know, what we're talking about is probably closer to kind of operational type risk, um, which is kind of more realistic. You know, there's credit and wholesale operational is kind of, you know, things, you know, people, processes, systems type stuff. Mm. And, and I always do this really interesting exercise with um, new grads that join the bank, especially risk grads. And we actually use, funnily enough, um, the example of going to work. And okay. we say, we do the exercise and it's right. What are the risks um, of going to work? What's the event, right? Mm. And that's always an interesting exercise because people will sometimes say, well, what if I fall off my bike? Um, or or I might get stuck in traffic. And, mm. and and the trick is you go, well, that's that's a cause. That's a thing, but the event is the outcome. So what's the, what's the event you're worried about? And the mm-hmm. event is, and some people say, well, I'm late to work. Mm. And you go, right, okay, that's an impact. 
Okay. But the event is, right, you're worried about is the car crash. Hmm. That's the event, right? The event is the big, the bad, the big bad thing I don't want to happen, but could happen, which hmm. is I'm in a car crash. Yeah. Worst case scenario is I get hurt. Hmm. Um, so kind of being late for work then becomes kind of secondary. Hmm. You know, I'm not really that bothered about being late for work. I'm, I rather want to be okay. So you kind of focus on what you think are the impacts and therefore the event is the, the kind of car crash. Um, and then you kind of go, well, what are the causes? And hmm. like you touched on it, you know, you go, well, it could be that you didn't service your car and your brakes are shoddy. It could be you got distracted and it was a human error and you, you glanced at your phone or you did something and you lost control. It could be somebody else, external threat. Yeah. Somebody else is not concentrating. Um, it could be the roads and, you know, there's a pothole in the road. So it's the environment. So you can have so much fun with this because you kind of go, there's a, you can start listing all these causes out. And, and then, you know, and, and what the point of this is, is to say there's always one event, which is the car crash. Hmm. The list of causes could be all sorts of different reasons from human error to external threats to third parties. The people who made the car could have built in a fault into the car yeah. and the brakes don't work as they should. And then you have a fun job of going, right, how do you control that? So you look at all your causes because your controls should go against your causes, not your risk, because that's your event. So it's the causes you're trying to control. And you go, right, well, human error. Well, we kind of have a control which says, you know, we, we put people through a driving test hmm. and we, we make sure everyone knows how to drive. Hmm. Um, and, and, and you kind of go, right, well, is that, and, and, and again, kind of jargony language, but is that adequate and effective? Hmm. And adequate is kind of, you know, is it designed appropriately? So if you've got a driving license, does that mean you're never going to get into a car crash? And obviously the answer is that no, because people get into car crashes all day long with driving licenses. So you kind of go, well, that's not really a control. It doesn't stop it. And the fun thing is when you go through that, you find there's not really many controls uh, actually out there to stop you having a car crash. Because even if you've got brakes on your car, there's nothing stopping you not press the brake. Hmm. And and so it kind of goes back to one of the episodes we did last season, which is autonomous cars. Yeah. And and so you kind of go, well, the only thing, and then because we what we then do is in the exercise, you blue sky it. And okay. you go, right, blue sky, forget what's out there currently. You know, imagine you could invent anything. What what could you do? And then someone had a really clever idea, which is actually you build a, um, a transporter and you press a button and you materialize in the office and you don't take your car. Brilliant. I was like, fantastic. That is blue sky. Um, <laughs> unless you've watched the fly and then there's a whole different type of risk. Um, but that's kind of, you know, back to that kind of control bits, you kind of go, well, there's actually very little you can do to control most of these things. So therefore what you're, what you're controlling hmm. is the likelihood yeah. you're reducing the likelihood. You're not reducing the impact because people have car crashes all day long. There's hundreds of car crashes a day. But what you're doing is by having cars that have been through safety systems, by having airbags, by training people so they know how to drive a car, by having brakes at work using MOTs to make sure your cars are serviced regularly. Hmm. All those things are reducing likelihood um, because they are saying that actually the likelihood of that risk materializing are far reduced because of all these things. They'll never hmm. stop it happening because there's human error and all this other stuff going on in there. Yeah. You can't stop that unless you create autonomous cars that actually do work as autonomous cars. But even yeah. then they have their own risks, like, you know, technology risks. But you could, I think, reduce the impact as well. So you mentioned you can reduce the likelihood yes, by- Yes, airbags, controls. yeah. 
but you could reduce yes. the impact as well. Simple, uh, like you said, airbags or speed limits. 100%. So yeah, yeah, crash 100%. could occur, but it may not hurt the people involved or damage your car. Yeah. No, it's a good shout. Yeah, so no, you're right. Imp- impact could be reduced. No, I think you spawn. But I guess um, it, I guess that's that's what risk mitigation is. Reduce yes. the likelihood, and then uh, I believe that's risk elimination. No, when you reduce the outcome as well. How would well, you- risk elimination would be you go and do something different. Hmm. You know, get a transporter. You know, you you get transported there magically. Then you've you've eliminated the risk because you're not doing that. And a classic one where people eliminate risk in you know the business world is is they stop trading in that market or that product. Oh yeah, and, and, and I guess in terms right, I'm not going to do this thing now because it's too risky. From, so I'm going to eliminate my risk by just not, and, and not doing that uh, industry anymore. and now technology. I think kind of risk tends to kind of focus on what is the big material concern of that particular era. Hmm. So you know if we think about the industrial era, it was suddenly the growth and evolution of health and safety risk. Because prior to that, you know, if you worked in those kind of industries, and, and, and my my dad worked um, as a weaver um, back in the sort of fifties and sixties, and and it was interesting because they had no health and safety type stuff. Um, you know, my, my dad could not couldn't speak a word of English, but here he is working in heavy machinery, and and he had about ten minutes training, and off he goes with heavy machinery. And no surprise that most of the weavers, including my dad, have have lost tips of their fingers. Hmm. Um, and it was quite common for there to be, you know, industrial accidents. And you got, you know, a week's wages and that was you. You went home and and you then had to just deal with that. Yeah. And then suddenly the kind of, you know, the, the, the kind of the increase of um, things like, you know, political parties who suddenly said, you know, um, we must kind of um, support our workers. Suddenly health and safety became a massive thing, you know, in the construction industry, in 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 steel industry, because suddenly, it, you know, there was laws and the Health and Safety uh, Act came along and suddenly you could go, you could get sued and, and suddenly risk management, health and safety risk management became a thing. Hmm. And restaurants had health and safety and, and it grew and grew and grew. And so now when you think about, you know, um, introduction of, you know, digitization and, and suddenly, you know, digitization introduces a whole new world of risks yeah. and, and suddenly, you know, you've got cyber now, you know, 10, 15 years ago, cyber wasn't a thing. People didn't know what it was. I mean, the internet's only been around for like, you know, 20 odd years or so. 20 years or so. Um, and people forget that, you know, Facebook's only been around, you know, in the in the late 90s, hmm. um, which is kind of mind blowing. Um, you know, for those younger viewers are probably going, you know, what are you, what are you talking about? Oh, um, the internet's always been here, um, but you know, because I was talking, I was talking, um, um, Sophia, and, and she she couldn't get the concept of no internet because obviously that's she's just everything is internet yeah. and everything's touchscreen, yeah. and so suddenly you had to evolve risk management of you know this sort of stuff, cybersecurity, and and suddenly a whole new technology is developed. And whether you're a utility and you work in power stations or or any industry, suddenly mm. you have to do cyber. Yes. And and even the, the work I do with Move On, it's a charity. Mm. They've still got cyber, and they still need to understand cyber risk because you know it could take down your whole platform. Mm. So the evolution of that is exponential. Um. And and you know the classic, you know, in in the banking industry, certainly, you know, when two thousand and seven happened and we had the credit crunch, and suddenly, you know, banks started failing and. And, you know, um, for those who haven't watched it, you know, I'd recommend, highly recommend watching The Big Short 
it's a brilliant film christian bale uh absolutely fantastic film yeah but he kind of shows you you know what happens in the absence of risk management and sometimes the event needs to materialize Hmm. for the risk management to kind of kick in and and since then you know a, a lot of regulators now want resilience and resilience is a new big risk and proving resilience of organizations, you know, are you resilient? And again, that was an interesting thing because in the old days, you just let things fail because there mm. weren't these big, massive industries, you know, where- Codependent you know, and- Yeah, exactly. So, you know, classics like, you know, Amazon Web Services, right? So mm. Amazon, you know, biggest um, company in the world, arguably, and Amazon Web Services, you know, who knows what what um, Amazon, you know, what services rely on Amazon Web Services. Yeah. I mean, the UK government, governments across the world are probably using it, you know, banks, utilities, everyone. Hmm. Now, if, you know, Jeff Bezos trips over the plug for Amazon Web Services, you know, resilience, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, uh, massive, massive impact. Yeah. Companies all over yeah. the world interacting with each world. other. Yeah. Yeah. And when these big industries came in and, you know, even when, you know, like in the UK, BT, you know, at one point was a monopoly hmm. and they had had everything. Yeah. And then suddenly you create these kind of single point of failure type risks, which which didn't exist in the past because everything mm. was more localized. You know, you had your local providers and your local services because nothing was digitized. Now everything's global and you have these huge global companies like Google, et cetera. And so your resilience risks suddenly become a big problem. And it's a bit like kind of, you know, that, that whole start, which says, you know, the, the jobs in 10 years haven't been invented today. Mm. So chances are the risks from 10 years from now haven't been invented today because we don't know because we, do, we it's an industry that we haven't done. So risk management has to kind of sprint very quickly behind innovation because if it doesn't, then you see things like the credit crunch type risks happening. You see the big cyber type, you know, risk was a classic one, you know, and all sorts, you know, they, they fall behind and you see the events materialize. And that's because risk management hasn't caught up to the innovation. And so risk management has to continually to keep evolving. Otherwise, you'll see events appearing and you'll see the stuff on, on the news or anywhere else because the event has um, beaten the, the risk management to the race. Uh, so it has to evolve. Yeah. And um, you talk, you talked about a lot of different kinds of risks in, in right just right now. You talked about market risk. You talked about operational risk. And you talked about technology risk, uh, cybersecurity risk. So um, it just goes to show that how the evolution has just increased the number of risks you have to deal with and how yeah. they're categorized and how there are different experts in each sort of different field of risk. And yeah. I guess it becomes more complex, uh, especially regarding compliance. Uh, if you relate that with cryptocurrency or after the 2008 uh, financial crisis, a new compliance came into action yeah. where banks where organizations or financial companies had to incorporate new type of rules procedures and regulations so i believe yeah. risk is ever changing and going back to the evolution of risk so i believe historically risk has been more like uh check bo- check the boxes uh see if uh, mar- mark if each action has been performed correctly and that's a pretty um how uh, that's a pretty stable and uh, what's the opposite of dynamic? Um, yes, static, static, stable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah stable. So that's, yeah, yeah. That, that's a quite static thing to do. That's not proactive 
or mm-hmm. innovative yeah. in nature that's like okay so we've made this transactions okay we've got the the correct uh, re- uh receiver of payment we we use yeah. the correct currency we use this correct amount receive the correct product and it's yeah. going to be going to receive at the correct date okay check 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 risk finished that's good but um that's that's not uh that's a very static thing to do and uh currently organizations are moving away from that kind of risk management yeah. and they're being more proactive and they're being all encompassing and they try to take value from that and data and uh, real time data and real time um, dashboards are a real uh, part of that and and they're bringing risk into a more strategic role so and to help decision making as well have you uh, myself uh, when it comes to audit uh, it's yeah. hist- historically been a backwards uh, looking um, activity but now yeah. uh d- due to recent I- events uh which I'm not going to mention but you can find on the news um yeah. people working in financial audit have been are trying to look at forward looking risk and be more proactive yeah. in their audits so yeah. what I'd like to ask is have you seen that occurring in your specific role where the risk is moving to a more strategic role and is helping strategic de- decision makers make decisions for the future as opposed to just see if we did this right or not yeah no i i i would agree and i think you know when we talk about um kind of risk culture and, and kind of risk cultures kind of evolved and i think most industries wait till the big event happens hmm. unfortunately that's kind of the, the nature of it yeah. um and certainly for the finance industry you know, that was 2007 when you had a massive credit crunch and then everyone kind of looked at each other and kind of said how did that happen um and part of it was you know the the culture in 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 those organizations institutions and and as you said you know whether risk was a strategic partner you know because mm-hmm. even simple things like you know risk risk wasn't part of excos in those days you know yeah. at the executive committee you know there wasn't a board that had a risk um mindset mm-hmm. you know it was all commercial commercial and the risk well, was you know what do we invest in what do we gain yeah and and suddenly the you know um risk was kind of seen as actually this was a secondary thought mm. and it had to be shifted that culture had to be shifted for risk to be kind of a primary thought and integrated into every decision and conversation and and even now you know um risk culture is difficult to kind of um get because you know we talked about the definition of risk and 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 etc and it's interesting you know how many people still struggle with some of these concepts and and it's funny because i I've, i've got a few friends who are kind of entrepreneurs and they do this all day long but they wouldn't call it risk management hmm. and and it's interesting because um one, one of my kind of uh, friends um he's kind of got a, a business which is you know deals in essentially perishable goods okay and yeah. and every every week every month you know he makes a risk because he purchases stock and he assumes he's going to make x number of sales so it's it's currently kind of you know happening organically um pardon the pun um and 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 actually you know I was talking to him and I was trying to kind of say well how do you bring data to your point and analytics to that hmm. and how do you bring market trends and how do you suddenly bring intelligence to risk management 
And, and that's a big kind of evolution. And part of it has been because our capability when it comes to big data, you know, when you look at some of these big um, sort of organizations, whether it's banking or, or utilities, we're talking hundreds of millions of lines of data. Yeah. Now, until, you know, 10, 15 years or even last 10 years or even last five years, we've never had the capability to process that amount of data. Hmm. So actually the reality has been, it's been difficult to really manage risk as effectively as we'd like to, because we've not had the data. And then you talk about other technology things like you know machine learning, and and suddenly you can now send bots at this data to learn what the rhythms of the data are, what it trends are, what the kind of oddities are. And you know if you take you know fraud management and financial crime type stuff. Now, all those credit risks, these are all like algorithms and profiling and intelligent machine learning, borderline, you know, not AI by any means, but it's mm. machine learning and it's intelligent use of data. Now, that's evolving at pace because the technology is available. Mm. And, and, and so sometimes, you know, you're quite right, the, the culture of an organization can shift to risk management, but actually sometimes technology is not there, the data is not there to catch up with it. And until that's all there at the same time, that's when you really can do it. And and I was kind of talking to my pal and saying, you know, if, if I knew how to and, and knew the time, I'd come up with a cool algorithm to go, right, here's how much stock you should buy every week. Because, hmm. you know, you he should know that seasonally these products are popular because yeah. that data is readily available. You can even know, you know, exactly what the population is of your village, of your street. You know, it's an office of national statistic. So there's masses of data out there which, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, which will help you manage your risk so much more effectively, but you need to get that data and then you need to somehow translate that data in something useful, which then says, right, I'm going to buy 10 oranges this week because I know I'm going to sell 10 of them. Um, and I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to be stuck with nine oranges that I can't sell that are going to go off a week later. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it's intelligence use of data and, and the tools to allow you to do that, which I think are evolving quicker. Um, otherwise, right. I think uh, people will fall behind. Right. So, so not only are the type of risks evolving, but the tools we use are are evolving. The resources we're using are evolving, yeah. and the skills that are required for risk professionals are is evolving as well with time. Yeah. And yeah. and just to make it even more complicated, okay. we become global. Hmm. So your your risks are no longer local risks. You know, if you were a if you were a kind of a trader, your risk would be your your vicinity. Hmm. Now you're you're competing with online. You're competing with different legislations in different countries, and so your risk has now become global. And and just like you know, me and you talking um, with two three thousand miles apart hmm. um, for same principle. You know, industries are now thousands of miles apart in different countries, different legislations. So com the, the complexity of the environment in which the risk is materializing has also uh, evolved and got more complex. Yeah, and uh, talking about us talking of from two to 3,000 miles away, I didn't manage the risk of a poor internet connection or any lag. So we're lucky in that regard. I think the podcast yeah, is amazing fine so far. I was going to say, I'm, I'm should very have done, impressed with that. Should, should have done some risk management <laughs> before <laughs> Considering that's the episode, yeah, uh, no, I'm 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 quite impressed because I'm I'm often on calls with people in Edinburgh and and the connection is worse than this. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, lucky, lucky us. So, um, so you you mentioned that risk. Uh, companies have started thinking about risk when it comes to everything, and yep. 
that that reminds me of ESG, so yep. environment, so social governance risk. Now that's yep. become such a big part and important part for organizations, and it's a newer a new thing over the last couple of years. The organization organizations are trying to incorporate, and there are new roles being created for that. And yep. what that that's a funny kind of risk because not only does it affects compliance from the government side for your organization yep. but also affects your reputational risk when it comes to yeah. uh, suppliers and then when it comes to cus- customers be they b2b or be they yeah. uh, individuals like myself and you so yeah. i believe a big a big risk that is changing is that in the past where risk used to be internal uh, due to internal reasons or competitive reasons or governmental reasons now a big risk is how customers will react to your business decisions, especially when it comes to ESG and environment and things like that. So I think that's a really, that's another uh, form of evolution. I believe that who yeah. is the source of that risk? If, if, do you think that makes sense? It, it, it does. And, and, you know, and I think, you know, it's a, it's a real kind of um, good point. And it's kind of really interesting. This is why kind of this stuff is interesting because, you know, that's the kind of the social construct in which the risk materializes. Hmm. Um, and in the past, you know, the voice of the customer wasn't as strong. And, and part of this goes back to social media, you know, right now, one person, one bad experience could ruin a company. Yes. And, and because social media can become so powerful and it's, it's hard to kind of, no one's really quite worked out why it's one thing suddenly grasps the attention of people mm. and the same thing over here doesn't. Um, but but you're quite right. Um, companies and organizations now certainly, you know, understand the power of reputational risk yeah. and they understand that the power of, um, you know, how they're perceived mm. in the industry, in, you know, by, by, by the community, et cetera. So you see a lot of kind of organizations, you being very visible when it comes to community, very visible when it comes to climate policy and, and, and being green. And, and, you know, you'll see it on, you know, if you ever, you see a Tesco van go past, you know, it talks about, you know, this van is carbon neutral. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's all, you know, so reputational risk is a big thing and it's grown and grown because it's always been there, but in the past companies have kind of gone, well, don't really care. You know, we'll provide this product and, you know, you'll get the product we give you. Yeah, because and, as you mentioned, it wasn't easy for us to figure it no. things out. And you to write uh, a letter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you said, with social media, it's become easier yeah. for us, for the consumer. Yeah. Whenever I buy a product or um, buy an experience, I always check the reviews on Trustpilot yes. or yes. whatever. So, so I think that's like a part of my life. Whenever I buy something online, I look at reviews online. So, yes. um, so that's something companies have started to, you know, really focus on over the last uh, 10 to 15 years or so. And that didn't exist yeah. before. So the- yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I was just saying, you know, we were staying in Scarborough this weekend and we, you know, I used kind of booking.com. Um, and, and if you kind of think about, you know, hotel and the hoteling industry, hmm. right. You, before social media and, and the internet, you know, your biggest risk really was making sure um, no customer kind of got hurt or, uh, there wasn't any food poisoning. So it was very kind of localized risk and making sure um, all your residents kind of stayed at a safe stay. Now, yeah. reputational risk is their biggest concern yeah. because you've, you'll, you'll have all done it where you, you know, you, you Google or you use hotel.com or booking.com or whatever you use to look for your hotels on holiday. 
you'll you'll see a three star hotel, you know, a, a three review star or a two review star, and you'll skim past that hotel. Yes, absolutely. Because you you won't even go into it. Yeah. And because you've just trusted that it's a two star, someone's given you the, the average score is two and a half stars. So you go, oh, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to risk it. Hmm. Now for for that hotel, I mean, that's a material risk. That's an yeah. existential risk type for that. And that wasn't there, you know, 10 years ago. Hmm. Um, it wasn't a risk they had to worry about. Now they do have to worry about that. And so suddenly their whole strategy shifts to make sure that the the experience is positive. And, you know, every time, you know, you stay on a, a hotel or you do that, you know, everyone's kind of getting in touch with you. Leave a review, leave a positive review. Were you, were you okay? Did we help you? And it's all about influencing now the customers to give a positive review. So they're trying to mitigate the risk, um, which was never, never a risk for them 10, 15 years ago. Hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, so, you know, you're 100% right. And, and you now got this thing you know, we talked about, you know, in our metaverse episode, you've now got people who do like, you know, virtual room tours and, and suddenly they put the experience up virtually. So yeah. other people can now see you at the hotel. And if it's a mess, you know, they'll see that. And if it's really nice, they'll see that as well. So it's a, it's a plus, but it can also be a, a, a negative. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so Ash, tell me, so we've, we've talked about, how risk has evolved over time uh, in different aspects. We've talked about um, the type of risks, new type of risks. We've talked about how it affects roles, how it, uh, the tools we use, the skills we need, and how customer focus, how data has affected risk management. And so what I'm, look, what I'm thinking about is, what does the future look like? Because nearly every week we see a new type of business model Nearly every week we see a new type of technologies. Uh, there's a, a big conversation going on about changing risk management, making it more innovative, strategic, mm-hmm. and uh, moving away from checking boxes on list or just yeah. compliance. So I'm really curious to know what you think, and then I'll let you know what I think. So for, first I want to know what yeah. you think about the risk management is uh, going in the future and yeah. how, it's, how it's going to affect businesses and people, uh, practitioners of risk management. Yeah. Let's, let's hope I get the right answer. So I'm sure you uh, would. <laughs> so, so I think for me, and 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 I think the the kind of principles of risk, I don't think have have changed. You know, the, yeah. the principles of risk are kind of sensibly understanding what your material events are that could go wrong, and then putting in the right level of control within your appetite. That's kind mm. of the basic kind of concept that hasn't really changed over uh, centuries or decades. I think the bit that kind of um, I do see evolving. So one is in data. So, mm. so how do you kind of make um, risk predictive and and how do you kind of build in and using historic data to kind of predict the future almost. Yeah. And, you know, we've got masses of data, you know, across any industry you can think of um, whether it's, you know, um, and I was reading this interesting kind of um, book that was done recently on Chernobyl and, and, and all the things that kind of went wrong in Chernobyl. And, and you kind of go, we've got Chernobyl, we've got, you know, um, the, the, the one that happened in Japan. And, and so you've got lots of events that have happened hmm. and lots of data. So you kind of go, right, well, we can surely use that data to prevent the future. Um, same with, you know, in the finance industry, whether it's, you know, uh, credit or crisis crunch, you know, when it comes to um, um, the economy kind of going up and down like a yo-yo. Um, and so, so I think for me that, that is, that is going to be a, a, a big evolution. And in terms of kind of risk practitioners, 
it's then, you know, risk practitioners being kind of very comfortable with the use of data and being very comfortable with kind of lots of different complex data, but using, yeah. you know, like you said, innovation, thinking outside the little bit of the, uh, thinking outside the box a little bit and not just thinking about the simple data sets that are in front of you. Hmm. You know, it's that kind of classic one about the, the market trader, you know, and, and oranges, but you kind of go, well, actually, you know, what else do I need to think about? You know, what else could happen? Or it's yes. Wimbledon that week or it's something else happening or, uh, you know, so there's all sorts of other factors to consider. And so hmm. how do you kind of build in other elements to your predictive data set that suddenly start giving you a picture of the future? And then you kind of go, right, I can now enact sort of strategies, control strategies to mitigate things that haven't even happened. Um, and then you kind of overlay all of that with, you know, how each of these industries is evolving. Hmm. And, you know, like we said, they're evolving a lot quicker. So again, everything you're building, how adaptable and agile is it versus yep. how static it was, you know, in the past where, you know, big books are written about this stuff and then suddenly something changes and you go, Oh crap. You know, my big, my big book of instructions is suddenly out of date. Hmm. Um, so how do you develop, you know, frameworks that are agile? So as these risks evolve, you don't need to rewrite things because it's hmm. principle based and it's data driven. That's hmm. probably my answer. Okay. So that's that's one point you took from me, uh, data. That's something I was about to say. <laughs> but uh, principle base is something uh, something new and something. Uh, so, so that's something I learned. Uh, where I see uh, what my research told me, where, and why I saw where risk is headed in the future, adding to what you said, is um, I believe it's going to be more reputational based in the future. Uh, we just discussed how big reputation is becoming for businesses. And I believe that's an accelerator for business to operate better risk management procedures, especially the new kind of risks that affect uh, consumers at the end. For example, mm -hmm. when it comes to cryptocurrency, uh, crypto scams, or the uh, like, uh, maybe you've heard of about that stable coin, coin I think its name was uh, yeah. Li Libra, Libra? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was supposed to be a stable coin, so that moves with the dollar, but it just its price just fell down, and that was a big yeah. risk for it, and something it might not have anticipated because that's not what it was supposed to do. So I believe reputational yes. risk is one factor. The second factor is um, technologies and new business models, basically with new business models. So new mm -hmm. businesses coming in, uh, something we talked about in uh, one of our previous episodes, a uh, new banks, digital banks, and traditional banks. Yeah. So new banks or online banks are risk for traditional banks because of the product services customer ease they offer now that may not have been a risk for them before but it definitely mm -hmm. is now so similarly new products uh, buy now pay later that's that's a different kind of risk banks are facing so new business models are a big risk especially with advances in technology so yeah, yeah. these i believe these these I'd, I'd love to add these two to your list on on yeah. where the trends are focusing yeah, you know, and we talked about kind of you know principle based, and I think um, what you're what you're describing, Sal, is is probably um, existing risks that are heightened by changes. So you mm. know, reputational risk has kind of um, always been there, but you're quite right; it's kind of heightened because of social media and and because of the focus on ESG and climate, etc. Yeah. So it's kind of a lot more heightened, and 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 you're right. You know, business model disruption. Has always been there because there's always been competition 
Um, mm. But it's accelerated again like, yeah. because of this digitization. So, you know, classic, you know, you know, again, banking industry, you know, you've got bank in a box, you know, um, things like Etsy allow you to just set up a business online within mm. seconds. Yeah. Um, so, so the kind of business just disru- uh, business model disruption risk is, uh, is again heightened. Mm. Um, so these kind of risks, I think, are existing risks that have heightened. Um, I guess what I was kind of more talking about was about um, how you approach risk management rather than necessarily the types of risks. Um, okay. Okay. And I think for me, it's kind of um, using data in a more predictive fashion mm. and and making your frameworks principle based. And whereas a lot of organizations have static frameworks that are directive. And then as, as you said, as things evolve and change, your framework suddenly kind of are out of date before you've even started. Yeah. Um, and, and the data you're using is kind of still a little bit backward looking and, and therefore you kind of, you're not really using all of the masses of data and you've had over the last few years to predict what the future could be. Hmm. Um, so don't disagree. I think the types of risks are, are changing and becoming hmm. more pointed are reputational and, and business model disruption, cyber, all these risks certainly become more heightened because yeah. of the environment we are in. Um, but I think also the approach we're taking to risk management needs to evolve hmm. um, uh, to be to be different to catch up with this, Fair because um, I think otherwise you know risk management will be behind the curve yeah. um, too often, um, and you know third party um, outsourcing is another one. You know in the past most organisations everything was internal hmm. you know you had a department for everything yeah now so many organizations outsource so many things um you know um as you know we've kind of got small family you know macaron business and our our website is is you know sourced by you know it's, it's on a shopify platform hmm. so if shopify decide tomorrow to go right we're going to show up shop and not not have a platform then there goes our online yeah. business so a single point of failure there um, whereas in the old days, you know, dot-com crash prior to that, hmm. we would have hosted that ourselves and we would have built the website ourselves. It would take yeah. us a lot longer yeah. and there would have been a greater threshold for us to be technically knowledgeable to set that business up. So yes. a lot of people wouldn't have bothered. So that that the, the barriers dropped now materially because I'm certainly not technical, but it was easy to set up a website because they hmm. make it easy. Yeah. But the flip side is you, you, you create another yeah. risk, which is this Code single point of failure risk. Yeah. Codependent, exactly. And and that's kind of replicated in most industries now where people are, are kind of so outsourcing loads of their, uh, you know, their, their kind of customer value chain. Hmm. And therefore that becomes a, a, a risk. Um, and again, back to that global piece, you know, you outsource to so many different parts of the world. And, you know, we see um, from, you know, the Russia-Ukraine conflict that, actually the impacts then are felt all over the place hmm. and, and, and in areas that people haven't really considered or thought about. Yeah. Um, so I think these, the, the risk types are like resilience and outsourcing and, and cybersecurity and reputational are all heightening yeah. um, because of what's happening. Um, so I think, you know, risk management has to evolve to kind of keep up the pace. Otherwise it's going to fall behind the pace. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's a good perspective that the, so um, I I, th- I think we've been we've been talking about f- for a, about for an uh, forty minutes or so. Yeah, and I think so. Yeah, so for, I, for, clearly could talk about this for a lot longer. Of um, course, this is definitely why we don't get invited to parties. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so I've I've yeah. joined that club now. 
<laughs> oh no. Say goodbye to your social circle. Uh, yeah. That's why people are not responding to your messages anymore. As if COVID hadn't helped. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so I, I guess it's been um, great yeah. to talking to you about risk management and how it's evolved over the years, Ash. Um, I hope the listeners also take something from away from the episode. I'm sure they will. And I guess on that note, it's uh, goodbye from me. Yeah, and 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 I was just going to say, um, uh, before I kind of say uh, goodbye, Saud, was we, you know, we've we've kind of had lots of positive um, feedback on on our um, kind of previous episode on season two. So again, you know, um, for all our kind of listeners, appreciate all your feedback as always. So of course, you know, keep to keep doing that. Um, you know, we're on um, social media. Um, we've got an, an email address at info at the atlas dialogue.com. I think it is. Um, if it's not, you can correct, correct it, <laughs> correct it in the edit. So, um, and, and obviously we're on, we're on LinkedIn. So, you know, get in touch with us. Um, if it's different, uh, topics you want us to talk about, or if it's feedback on some of our existing, uh, podcasts, you know, always good to kind of continue the conversation. It's always great to hear um, back from our listeners. So um, yeah, great as always, Saud, and and thank you everyone for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Okay. Take care, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Bye.